0: You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. When I was a toddler, someone asked me, what is heaven? And I responded as a little two, three-year-old. Yeah, heaven is being able to go to the fridge and pour your own juice. Now... There's something quite profound in that young toddler. (laughs) Hope there still is today. (laughs) Uh, what, what, What he was saying, what I was saying is this. Heaven is freedom. Heaven's freedom. But I was only half right. It's only half there because I want to pick up on what I was saying at our Good Friday service on Friday that... We don't quite understand what it means to be free. Well, those of the world don't understand what it means to be free. The world, people of the world think to be free is to be able to go and pour your own juice. Most of you poured your own juice this morning. <laughs> but I said on Friday that even though we poured our own juice, we still sense that we are captured by things. We are imprisoned by things. Achievement. Other people's way of life compared to us. OPO, Other people's opinions. These things enslave us and we're really not as free as we think we are. And yet what is wonderful in this passage, there is a dynamic here that if you get Easter, if you see the cross, there can be a dynamic that emerges in your life. And when the cross truly comes into your life, it can operate in a way that the world no longer phases you. And so even though you might have your external freedoms restricted, there is a deeper freedom. There is a freedom beyond. A freedom beyond religion. A freedom beyond irreligion. A freedom beyond your external restrictions. There's a deeper freedom. Would you like that this morning? Paul says it's possible if you see the cross clearly this Easter. And so here's where we'll go. What Paul says is in order to see the cross clearly, you've got to, You've got to understand and deal with a a spiritual sickness that we all have. He says you've got to take the antidote for the spiritual sickness and this freedom can emerge. This spiritual sickness, it all verges around this central part of Galatians 6, verse 14. This is the keystone verse. This is the special verse that in a sci-fi movie, you would put into a wall and the gates of heaven itself would open. It's verse 14. He says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The question here is, what is boasting? What's fascinating is, in ancient times, boasting is what you did before battle. It's the Braveheart principle, right? They can take our land, but they can't take our freedom. You know, you, in ancient times, you would, you would boast. How else do you rev up a whole bunch of guys to go to certain death? Boast, and so what a king would do, a king would have a ritual boast. Oh, by the end of tomorrow, uh, the other king's plate will be on my platter, and everyone would go, rah. That's a a, you can see why I was never a warrior back in the medieval (laughs) days. Long way to go. Oh, we'll do this, they don't stand a chance. We're strong, they're weak. That's a ritual boast, right? And so, what is fascinating is the Bible takes this. medieval principle, this ancient principle, and it says this is the fundamental characteristic of the human heart. That's what's wrong with the human heart. See, the whole idea of a boast is we're strong, we can do it, we will win, we are mighty, we are victorious. And so what God is saying is that the problem with the human heart is that you look to your achievements and your beauty and your smarts and your good things and then you say to yourself, I did that. I I took the credit for that. And God says, no, 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 you, no, you didn't. You were born with the smarts. You were born with the talents. You were born with the beauty. God says, I did that. Don't do that. I gave that to you. What God is saying is that every soul must boast in something. I, Rocky Balboa knew this, right? <laughs> Rocky knew this. In, in like the most important line of the entire film, actually now come to think of it, it was probably the only significant line in the whole film, but... <laughs> In Rocky 1, you know, they're saying, Rocky, why are you going to do this? And he goes, you know, if, if, if I could just go the distance then I know I'm not a bum. Um, let me translate that for you. Rocky says, Stallone says, if I can just go the distance, then I'll know that I'm not a bum. If, if I can just do this, see, everyone has a bottom line. Everyone has to live for something. Something that we think will give us a sense of significance and satisfaction. And for Rocky, it was going the distance. Twelve rounds. Now, for us, it means, this. look, your soul knows that life is a battlefield. And so the question for you is, how else do you go out here into the world this morning? How else do you have the confidence? How else do you have the something within you uh, that, that is able to stand firm when you're really attacked and when you're criticized? What do you defend yourself with? And what God is saying is, this is what the human heart does. It, it goes out in the world and it says, oh, I'm a good parent. Look at how my kids behave. Or I'm a good artist. Look at my credentials. Or I'm a good person i'm a good christian look at my moral record that's religion that's everything we've been trying to lose in this place look at all of these things and god says don't do that you know why because he says every boast when you look at it think about it every boast is actually a taunt you're taunting someone i'm big you're small i'm mightier you're weak we see it, you look, you look at the boxes of today, Anthony Mundine, you look at the way they get in each other's faces, I look for, for our morning congregation, Muhammad Ali, I am the greatest, I am the greatest. He was the king of the taunts. But look behind the hype for a second of Ali. What happens is the boast itself begins to cause bad blood and bitterness and anger and here's what it means in real terms for us today. When you ground your identity in a boast, as much as it builds you up, it will always divide the human race. And now boasting becomes religion. Because religion always divides. That's what we learnt. Because if your ultimate boast says you're a hard-working person, then everyone else must be lazy. If your ultimate boast says that you're a good person that goes to church, then everyone else must be an infidel. If your boast says that your nationality is the best, then everyone else is a foreigner. Are you with me? It means that it's not religion that's dividing the human race, but it's the boasts behind the religion that is dividing the human race. Do you want a freedom beyond that this morning? The boasting is a sickness of the human heart. The question is, how do we fix it? What's the antidote? How does that work? Here's what I'll, I'll tell you a quick, quick story. I'll apply the story so we can see how all of this works. Uh, Ten years ago, I went to Machu Picchu with my dad. Uh, 2,000 metres above sea level. We climbed here one Picchu Have you seen that giant green peak in the background of the ancient Inca city? Took us two hours to scale up all the steps to the very top of the peak of Hiawana Picchu, And as we're up there looking down into the valley below and seeing all of this little village down there that we'd climbed up from, I had a very good idea. You see, there was a pathway to go straight back down to the village and then there was this other little beaten track off the back of the peak that seemed to just descend down into the jungle. And I had a really good idea. I said, Dad, why don't we go that way? <laughs> and so we did. And so off we went. We're trouncing down this path and it was it was okay there were a few steps and a few rocky ropes and then this weird sick feeling of anxiety started to come over us when we'd realized that we'd been descending for about an hour and a half and I'm no mathematician, but I generally descend through the bush at about double the rate that I ascend through the bush. And so we're thinking, hang on, we've, we've gone double the distance down from this peak now and the jungle is starting to get thicker and thicker and the vines of the Amazon are starting to claw at our hands and I get that, I'm getting that weird feeling that I'm not quite sure we are where we're supposed to be. <laughs> and you get more nervous and Dad's going, are you sure? Yep. Are you sure? Yep, I'm really sure. And, and, and until it, it came out of, of the distance like, oh, like nothing I'd ever seen before, there was just this, this one little sign with an arrow that said Temple of the Moon. And it did two things to me on that day. The first thing it did to me is it offended me intensely. <laughs> and then it liberated me. It offended me and then it liberated me. The cross works exactly the same way. Let's apply this now. Here's how you get over the sickness. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to belittle your boasting. And here's what I learned from my experience. The presence of the sign was offensive. The mere presence of the sign was, for the first time in one and a half hours, I had to admit to Dad, yes, we were lost. I didn't know where I was. We were lost. The mere presence of the sign showed us that we're lost. Don't you see? That is what the cross is to the world. The cross is the biggest monument to history that says you don't really know where you're going or what you're doing. And the true test of whether you are seeing the cross this morning is it's offensive. It's offensive if you do that. And if if you're listening into this and you're checking out the whole Christianity thing and you're offended by that, I say, good, that's a good thing. That's a positive thing. The cross is offensive because the cross says to the world, guys, you've got bigger problems than you realize and you lack the capacity to fix it. The cross says the real problems of the world are things that you can't handle and can't fix, sin and death. You see, here's what the presence of the sign did. It belittled my boast. And I mean belittle in the positive sense. It minimized it. It reduced it. It depreciated it. It decayed the thing that I was boasting. I know where I'm going. No, you don't. It, it, be, it, it, it decayed. It did it the same way that, oh, God's gift to the earth, women. We, women do this beautifully to all men. What do men do when we're in the car and we're navigating? We boast. Ladies, you know this, Ryan. You know where you're going, hon? Yep. Yep, I know where I'm going. You sure you know where you're going, hun? Yep, yep. And then you drive for about half an hour. You're still not at your dinner date. Oh, I'm not sure I know where I'm going, hun. You see... <laughs> It's, it's positive belittling. It's minimizing the confidence you have at the very heart of you. And so when you come to the cross for the first time, you begin to say, if God had to enter the world, if God had to come in the form of Jesus Christ, if he had to pay for sin, if he had to go to the cross, and then he demonstrates that he walks free from a tomb, maybe we, maybe we don't quite know what we're doing or where we're going. And the result is it's offensive, not because it's politically incorrect per se. It's, a, it's offensive because you have been belittled in the positive sense of the word. It's, it's an American word of, attached of be and little. It means you've understood your insignificance to the much greater problems in the world. All those things, the achievement, the goodness, the parenting, <laughs> all of those things have been lifted up into that which really matters. And so the real test is whether whether you've seen the cross this morning is if you sense its offensiveness. And so I want to show you then the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian when it comes to the offensiveness of the cross. They're both the same and they're slightly different. They're both the same in that the Christian and the non-Christian, they feel the offence of the cross. But the Christian doesn't take offence at the cross. And here's why. Because just as I was offended a little bit at the sign there, at the same time, I was liberated. The minute I got over the offense of the sign, I realized it's the way home. (laughs) This is the thing that's going to free me. This is the thing that's going to save me. This is the thing that's going to take me back to a place that is safe. Now, the analogy only runs so far, so I'm going to leave it behind now. (laughs) I don't want to relive that. But what does that mean for... You practically this morning. How do you move into this freedom beyond religion and irreligion? Ironically, you've got to find an alternative taunt. You've got to find an alternative taunt. I told you, both always lead to taunts, right? But guess what? The Bible says if you do it rightly, and if you do it in the right way, in the grounded way, if you understand who you are in Jesus Christ, then you should taunt. You do what Sarah did to the goblin king in the 80s classic labyrinth. The final climactic scene, David Bowie in a pair of tights. If ever there is sin in the world, it's that. <laughs> David Bowie in a pair of tights in a G-rated movie. That's, uh, how did that ever get through classification? Uh, The goblin king is trying to, is is, is his last ditch effort, he's taken her captive, he's taken her little brother captive, his last ditch effort to enslave her. And just as she was about to give in and live a life with the goblin king for all of eternity, she realizes that she'd read a story that sounds familiar. She realized that there was a line in a book in this story that had somehow come to life in the labyrinth that she was now in. This verse came to life, it came into her head and then she realized and she looked at him in the face and she said, You have no power over me. And the goblin king's clothes faded and all of the land of the labyrinth fell fell away and she landed back in her bedroom. The Bible says that's what you do. You taunt the goblin king. Where does the Bible say that? Galatians 6.14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul's not saying, oh, don't boast at all. No, Paul's saying, don't boast in yourself, boast in something else. May I never boast except in what? The cross. What it cost Jesus to give me his praise. What a Christian does is they're saying, I'm boasting. I'm boasting and that is my confidence. I'm boasting and that is my sense of significance. I'm boasting and that is my sense of worth. That becomes my bottom line. And what is the result? I now become crucified to the world. What does that mean? It means the world has been weakened. It's been decayed. It's been depreciated. It's been belittled. The world has been put in its rightful place of significance in your life now to all of this. You see, when you ground your identity and you're a good artist, you're a good person (laughs) in all of your goodness, then you give the world power over you. Unless you have these things, then the world has power over you. But when you look at the cross and see what Jesus did, that he lived for you, that he died for you, that he rose for you, when you look at that, then you stare the world in the face and you say, you have no power over me. And now, as a result, can you see what it means that the cross comes into your life and it's possible to move through the world in a way that never phases you? Practically, that means that if I locate my righteousness, if I locate my center, if I locate my boast in this thing, then nothing controls me. Nothing owns me. There's no I must have in this world. Nothing. And so you know what that is? That's Freedom. It's freedom. It's freedom beyond religion. It's freedom beyond irreligion. It's a deeper freedom. It's a freedom beyond the juice. Paul's not saying have nothing to do with the world by the way. He says what you are now free to you're free to enjoy the world now because you no longer fear it and you no longer worship it because you're free. And that is the key, church, to losing your religion. All of that locked into one verse. <sighs> I need a drink of water after this. What do, we, what do we take away from all of this this morning? I think, I think Rocky was half right. I think Rocky was half right. If, if, if I just know I can go the distance, then I, I know I'm not a bum. He was half writing because what Paul teaches us here is that you have to have a centre. You have to have a boast. The Bible doesn't teach, oh, don't boast. No, the Bible says absolutely boast, but boast in nothing except Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. You see, when Christians took that into their hearts, they weren't belittled, they were bebigged. They became big, ordinary people, little people, slaves, the outcasts, the marginalised, became big and they turned the world upside down and it cut through the countryside and it cut through countries and it cut into a bunch of convicts and they brought it to Australia and the whole of us are sitting here in Crow's Nest worshipping this guy called Jesus Christ because he rose from the dead and it spread. You can live a big life if you're willing to be littled in that positive sense. My question for you then this morning is, what bottom line are you taking with you out that door? What bottom line are you taking with you? Because the Bible is saying any bottom line that is other than Jesus Christ, if you fail it, it will crush you. If you find it, it will enslave you. But the Bible says, if you find Jesus Christ, if you see the cross clearly this morning, if you fail him, he'll forgive you. And if you find him, he will free you. What do you take out with you this morning? Some of you are saying, I want this. I want this. And here's all I can say. There are some of you here this morning who are hopefully finding out the difference between Christianity and every other religion for the first time. And I'm so glad that you're here. you're saying, okay, yeah, to be a Christian is you go to church, you're a good person, you pray. No, 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 no. No, Christianity is a whole new motivation, a whole new identity, a whole new boast. Please understand that. And when you see that come into your life, you can live a life that is free. The trial's over, the verdict's in, that is Easter. We can go, we're free. Some of you have never seen that clearly. So all I'm asking is go find out what that means, whether it's this church or at that church. Put all the parts together. I've gone fast this morning, haven't I? There's there's a lot. Why did Jesus have to die? Oh man, we could do six more weeks on that. Put all the pieces together. And if you haven't quite yet, then just stay with us long enough until you see the whole picture and then make a decision. And then there's the rest of us, brothers and sisters. Some of us are saying, yeah, it's my 34th Easter this year. I know this. Been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. But I find myself wandering back off into the jungle. I don't stay single-mindedly on that path that was supposed to lead me home. And as a result, I'm still going back to things. I'm still boasting in things that are not Jesus Christ. All I'm saying, and I've been saying it for six weeks, that you have to come to the gospel every time. You've got to apply the gospel every time you pray. You've got to apply the gospel every time you pout. You've got to apply the gospel every time you worship. You've got to apply the gospel every time you walk out on someone. As the hymn says, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom. For I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Hopefully you get a sense of what that means this morning. Hopefully you live it out this week. Let's pray.